Hello and welcome. So I've hesitated to share this story, but given the current cultural struggles of good and evil, my apprehension over being misunderstood has been engulfed by a stronger desire really to support and inspire those who will face similar situations. So here we go. For about seven years, I volunteered with a couple of local police agencies to help them at scenes of domestic violence or other personal crimes. So my phone would go off in the middle of the night or whatever, and an officer would begin telling me what the situation was, where he was, and so then I would have a certain amount of time that I'd have to be on scene. I think it was 20 minutes. Um, And when I got there, I would offer moral support to the victim. Uh, I would aid victims in safety planning and connect victims to dozens of community resource options. And if needed, I would explain how to obtain a restraining order and such. So we had been shorthanded the entire two and a half years that I had been doing this. So the agency created a new position and hired a brilliant domestic violence program who had recruited about 10 new trainees. So every Thursday night, those trainees were attending training, and I was asked to pop in, and so I would pop in every now and again to support them and, you know, keep my skills polished and kind of build rapport with the rest of the team. So most everyone, except a small handful of us, used volunteer work in hopes of the police staff noticing them and inviting them into a paid position. Uh, So many of these trainings then ended up having this vibe of the attendees all trying to be brilliant and hireable. And there were a handful of us that had zero interest in being hired by the police department. And so that was kind of the vibe in the background of the story that I'm about to share. And on this particular night, we had had presentations about how to best serve various minorities, like to customize our approaches to be sensitive to their worldviews and such. Then my boss hung up letters A, B, and C on three of the walls and began this values clarification exercise. So she explains, I will read a statement with three choices, noted as A, B or C. Walk to the area as indicated that best fits your response, she instructed. There were various controversial questions and such. And then this one came up, of course. Go to wall A if you would be most upset if your child married someone of a different race. Go to wall B if your child married someone of the same gender. And go to wall C if you would be most upset if your child married someone for financial advantage. And, as you might guess, the entire room, so this is the training staff, this is police personnel, this is new domestic violence resource advocates, the entire room, walk straight over to wall C, big long line, and there I stood all alone at B. So the minute the question came up, I knew I would be standing alone. Not necessarily because I would be the only person who would wholeheartedly say B, but because the police department, like almost all government agencies today, spend a lot of time and money trying to get you not to say B, right? 
So the rule, though, for overcoming fear is to head right into it. And so that's what I did. So how did it feel? How did it feel to stand alone at B? I made it a point to stand confidently, my hands behind my back, you know, feet spread a little apart, chin up, smiling, and making a lot of eye contact with every individual who stood all in a row there on wall C. And I, I mean, I felt a lot like what you would feel like. I realized not that I was being isolated or not that I was being marginalized, but I realized what a unique spiritual opportunity it was literally to stand alone with every other single person in the room standing across from me under the letter C ready to share the reasons why being financially independent was so very important. You know, there's not often a context where one can be singled out so clearly for standing up for what they believe in. But it will likely, I think, become more and more common every day. And I think of all the young students all over the country who experience values clarification exercises and how difficult it would be as an adolescent under so much peer pressure to physically stand alone defending their reasons why. So at the end of the exercise, when it was decided that we'd go around the room and introduce ourselves, I chose to also include my reason for standing under B. And so as each intern, you know, they stated their accomplishments and what they did for fun. And my turn came almost at the very, very end. And I tried to use my little soapbox to break down the three stereotypes that people falsely hold on to with regard to Christians. Those stereotypes being that Christians are, number one, haters, uh, that Christians are prudish, and that Christians are boring. So, I mean, in retrospect, of course, I wish that I was able to tweak my words a little bit, but to my best recollection, my words went something like this. Hi, my name is Cindy Dunnigan. My husband preaches for the Church of Christ in Beaverton, so I'm a preacher's wife, and this work gives us a lot of opportunities to do work in such things as marriage counseling and parenting classes and etc. I'm also a writer and have published some journals for children called Journaling Toward Moral Excellence, which are books where children can write essays stating their own reasons why they value such things as honesty or loyalty or discipline and so on. And I've also written articles for the religion section of the Beaverton Valley Times and magazines such as Focus Magazine and Sarah Seed. And the reason why I do this work, I explained, is because I do believe I was put on earth by a creator who expects me to use my life to fill the world with as much love, kindness, and joy that I can and to help others do the same. And I also believe that he is the one that has stated what is good and evil. So I don't get to decide what is in reality right and wrong. It's his planet. So he gets to decide good from evil. So that's why I today have stood all by myself at B. And I went on. My standing alone at B shows that I'm a Christian and actually a minority. I mean, here I am standing under B all by myself. So I must be a minority. And so as a member of this minority, allow me to give you some information that will help you help people in my minority group. And so then I encourage them to 
Remember the speaker that we had two weeks ago who told us that she was helping someone terrified because a relative was engaged to a man who had influenced her to begin dressing more modestly and was planning after their marriage to have a quote-unquote house church and how that was such a red flag that such behavior is often what abusers do and how they control and how they isolate that man may very well be a controller and abuser but let me explain something about my culture it may also be true that her saving herself for his eyes may very well be their own way of her saving herself for his eyes only we do that when we're christians god tells us to dress modestly and the house church thing i mean just to let you know i know a family who has one of those in their home it is a virtual 7-eleven with people coming in and out all the time that they are ministering to so so just as you do with all the other minorities be careful not to make assumptions about my minority as well so at this point I decided to try to kind of bridge the gap and try to be a little bit more <laughs> relatable and so I just went on to explain like oh so what do I do for fun I ran my first marathon last summer and everybody's like yay and I said, we surf, we go whitewater rafting, we ride quads on the dunes, we're sort of adrenaline junkies. And somebody's like, I love that too. And so I said, which brings me to one final clarification. Those of us who answered, we'd least like to assist a victim who was a gang member compared to a 92 year old woman or a deaf person may have not chosen that answer because we were fearful as it was suggested but because of who we felt perhaps most is most needy or deserving of our help so that was the end of my soapbox and so after the training and as I gathered my things, my boss actually came over and thanked me for what I had said. And I decided to linger and like consciously engage everyone as best I could. And even the atheist friend that I had there in light of that conversation um, and just kind of make myself available if anyone wanted to discuss anything that I had said. And so everybody was just kind of, it was light conversation after that. But as I was leaving the building, one of the new recruits followed me out and kind of said, Cindy, Cindy, and came up to me. And she actually thanked me and explained how hard it was for her to work in the public school system, where she said that they often give lip service to free speech, but as a conservative, how she had been reprimanded repeatedly whenever she spoke up against any liberal agendas and curriculum. So I told her that I love liberals and trust their motivations to be sincere, although dangerously misinformed. She agreed, and by the time our conversation was complete, we have bonded and plan to perhaps do some running together sometime. So, I mean, I will never know all the motivations of this precinct um, in administering this exercise or if there were many more people who had wished they'd stood with me. Um, but, you know, as I continue to serve alongside them, I think many of them did share Christian values with me and wanted to stand beside me. 
But as I drove away, God had shown me to take to heart the very lesson I myself preached to everyone in the room to be slow to make assumptions. And I'm saying that because I really thought the girl who approached me in the parking lot was someone way different than she turned out to be. In fact, more than once when I would visit my atheist fellow advocate in the hospital. Sometimes I'd run into this like-minded advocate. And in fact, we prayed together once outside the hospital that the soul of our fellow volunteer who had really done so much in the community for the victims of domestic violence that she would come to acknowledge God's existence and learn to have faith in him. So a few years after this happened, my boss came over to my house for lunch and she thanked me again for all that I am is what she said and all that I do. And we talked about our own individual spiritual journeys and we'd always enjoy just a very high level of mutual respect. And I have not seen her since, but we parted with a warm hug and that same mutual respect being intact. And so I guess as I look back, I can say that it felt like a leap of faith. When you know you are doing the right thing, the freedom from concern of what others think about you is one of the most liberating feelings in the world. When you know that you are in alignment with the creator of the planet, human opinion suddenly means nothing. A lot of people have stood alone during times like we are in right now. Think about that guy in the crowd not saluting Hitler. I think about people that have done things way harder than what I did that night. Uh, like this guy, that single protester in Tiananmen Square standing against that tank. You've probably seen that. And so I've recorded this podcast to encourage you when it becomes your turn to stand alone, if that's what needs to happen. I believe I passed an important test that day. And afterward, I met a friend at an all-night coffee shop to get some therapy over my feelings about the experience. Listen, if you've experienced something similar and have a little victory story, I would love to hear it. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Edmund Burke, right? So let's do something. Let's find our voice. Let's stand firm when it's our turn. Let's stand strong because you are not alone. You are not alone, brave one. So in closing, I'm just going to close with this beautiful quote that says, the strength to risk losing face for the sake of Christ is the faith that God's love will lift up your face in the end and vindicate your cause. In this way, risk reflects God's value, not our valor. Thanks for listening.